come on down to the Law Student Lounge with your host, attorney Ryan McKean, where law students like you tell their stories. So pull up a chair and join us in the lounge. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here today with Ian Russell. Welcome to today's episode of the Law Student Lounge. I'm your host, Ryan McKean. This is brought to you by Connecticut Trial Firm. And good day, Ian. Hey, great to be here, Ryan. Ian, so nice to see you. I met you. Uh, I've met you several times at uh, UConn Law at a career fair, and my firm set up a table there before. So, uh, can you tell our audience uh, a little bit about yourself and your journey? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm a first year student at UConn Law um, in the full time day program. I'm originally from Cape Cod, and I went to UMass Amherst for college. Um, bit over a decade ago now. Uh, since then, I've lived in Western Mass and Northern Connecticut. I've kind of bounced around to a few different jobs. So, you know, I'm a, a little bit of a non-traditional law student to the extent that that still means anything. But after uh, working in a number of different fields and kind of just experiencing a lot of life, you know, I made the decision to go back to school and and really start that the process of uh, becoming an attorney and becoming an advocate for people. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm passionate about. And that's why I'm here. That's awesome. I'm, you know, I think it's it's what motivates a lot of people to go to law school, which is the desire to really, really help other people and use their career skills to to do that. And you know, we've talked to a number of law students on this podcast, and there's a lot of students who have gone back after uh, you know significant time in the workplace. And I'd put you in that category. What? Can you talk to me a little bit about the decision from, you know, deciding to work full time to going to law school? What does that process look like for you? Yeah, it's so my most recent job, well, and and still my current job um, prior to law school has been in marketing and specifically in marketing focused on lawyers and legal services. And so part of my switch to law school was basically after you know, five plus years of writing about what lawyers do, I said, you know what, I can just learn to do this myself. And so it, it seemed like kind of a natural step forward in that regard, even though it is a career change. It's a change into a career that I have some familiarity with and some background in. But a lot of my inspiration also was just wanting to make more of a d- direct impact in the world. And and this is not to disparage people who work in marketing because I have a great deal of respect for them, obviously, as my my friends and my colleagues. But for me personally, I felt like I was spinning my wheels. You know, I felt like I, I had accomplished what I had set out to accomplish and I was ready for something new where I would really be working more hands-on with clients and uh, helping people through difficult situations. And so once I kind of set my heart on doing that, it was a really natural progression I took the LSAT. It went pretty well. I applied to law school. I got in. I'm fortunate to have an incredibly supportive spouse and an incredibly supportive family and community that's that's gotten behind me and an incredibly flexible job that's allowed me to pursue my education while also still working there part-time. I really am very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. And it's just it feels right. You know, it feels like I've I'm being intentional. I made a decision to move forward in a path that's really mine instead of just kind of following whatever's in front of me. And here we are. 
Yeah, that that's awesome. And and just one of the things, one of the great days that I ever had in in in, in law school was I went to a a mass bar CLE and it was free for like law students to go. And I was a three L mm-hmm. and it was about how to start your own law firm. And one of the things that the, you know, this, this, this lawyer, I wish I knew his name because boy, I, I send him a steak dinner or give him a hug or something because, you know, he changed my life. And he said, look, if you're in private practice, one of the keys to your existence and survival is the ability to get clients. Yeah. And and I was like, he, I was like, okay, like this is part of the job. And I knew I wanted to go into private practice. I wanted to do general litigation. I wanted to be at a small firm. I wanted to help people, but you know, I needed in order for my career to exist, to get clients. And so I talked to a lot of law students and that point is a lot of, in a lot of ways, like loss, like in a, in a way, I think you couldn't know it unless you have been there. Like you're so used to being a worker and, doing the the thing and writing the brief, like lawyers are fundamentally technicians. So you're coming at it and I'm going to be really interested to watch your career because you understand this salient point, which is like you, in order for you to be a great lawyer, you need great cases. And it's really a chicken and egg problem. Can you sort of talk about your background here? Yeah. So the way I look at legal marketing in in general terms. This was true even before I started law school. And then I've actually learned, as I've learned more about the legal system, I'm starting to realize just how true this is, is that for every case that gets filed, there's several more out there where somebody would have had a case, but they didn't pursue it either because they didn't think it would be worth it, or they didn't know they had one, or they don't think they can afford a lawyer and they don't know what a contingency fee is. And so when I when I look at legal marketing, I look at it not as like it's not like lawyers just trying to take cases from other lawyers. I mean, realistically, sure, there might be some of that, but mostly it's trying to reach people who wouldn't have pursued a case at all or who might have tried to do it on their own, even though that wouldn't be in their interest. And so a lot of it is just educating people about saying, hey, this is these are the services that are available. This is the difference a lawyer can make in your life. Let's have a free consultation, no cost, no obligation. Let's just talk about what your options might be. And I look at that as it's only incidentally marketing. You know, it's not like trying to invent some kind of desire in people. It's trying to educate people like, hey, you have rights. You just need to take a step to pursue them. And I find that really rewarding just because you are making a difference in people's lives by helping them actually advocate for themselves and find the right person to advocate for them. You know, without question, and look, we're we're a I'm a personal injury law firm. You know, you've done your experience, your background is in the personal injury space. And even today in 2024, the number of people who call and ask about what the charge is for the consultation is incredible. And like in my world, like I consume all sorts of personal injury marketing from all sorts of people. I observe it, I watch it, I I watch other people's commercials. I go on their websites. I listen to radio ads, billboards, and it's always no consultation, no consultation, no consultation. And there's something like, I don't know, $3 billion spent in uh, personal injury marketing on TV and radio alone in uh, in 2022. And it's probably more like $4 billion today. And yet people out there like that message hasn't even hit with like most of the public. 
And so there's a lot more education that people need. And, and, you know, people call sometimes and like they have something horrible happen to them, uh, surgeries and whatnot. And, you know, they're like, well, I just, I don't want to bring a frivolous case. And it's like, whoa, like your case is, this isn't like you, uh, you know, somebody looked at you the wrong way and you want to sue them. This is a very significant case. So I, I, I think, look, the personal injury space is ahead of the curve in terms of marketing, in terms of education. But I think it's indicative of lawyers as a whole that there still needs to be a whole lot more education that needs to be done for the public. Absolutely. You know, and, and even in spaces where, you know, that consultation isn't, isn't free or that you know, fee isn't contingency, there's still the question of, or there, there's kind of a place where the question needs to be flipped from, can you afford a lawyer to, can you afford not to have a lawyer? You know, folks really need to understand the value of having good representation, because even if you do have to pay your lawyer up front, the goal is that they're going to save you a whole lot more down the line. Yeah. And so if if you're out there and, and, and like this, to me, if you're going to be in private practice, whether you're on your own, a small firm, or even at a bigger firm, like you're, you're all working for yourself in various degrees. You know, problem one that you have to figure out is how to get clients. Certainly what Ian and I are talking about is, is really known as educational marketing, right? You're putting out content that answers questions that clients have. You're giving them as much value as you can in hopes that, you know, you've helped them in some way and that they contact you for you to do the actual work that needs to be done. Like, you know, write the demand or file the lawsuit or do whatever it is that needs to be done. You know, if you're divorced, do the custody plan, divide the assets, whatever it is. So, yeah. So think about this if you're out there and you want to become a lawyer and you look if you're in government work don't worry about it if you're in-house don't worry about it but if you're in private practice big small think about this do you have any advice out there for maybe somebody who who wants to create like a basic piece of content like we're talking about for educational purposes like are there any things that you would do yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to know is who am I trying to reach and what do they want to know? And everything else flows from that, you know, and you can look at data, you can look at quantitative metrics, you can look at qualitative metrics. But at the end of the day, that's that's conceptually how you have to think about it is who am I trying to reach and how do I create value for them? And lawyers have plenty of opportunity to do that. Uh, even law students have plenty of opportunity to do that. But you have to be thoughtful about it. And just because you know something doesn't mean it's useful. You have to think about it from the audience's perspective. What what brings value to them? What's meaningful to them? What's timely for them? As somebody who you know started writing online for me like in 2007 with a blog and has generated thousands and thousands of pieces of this kind of content over my career, I think what Ian said is like the salient point, which is that you have to empathize with the audience. And so, you know, if you're looking to create this kind of content, like, think about what clients ask you. Think about what your friends ask you. Like, it, chances are, if they have those questions, like, there are, look, there are 8 billion people on planet Earth. What If a fraction of 1% of them has the same question, you have an audience or there's a need there, right? And even in 2024, like, not all questions have been answered. So one, it's the ability to listen and empathize. And I think two, the, the thing is, is to 
show the audience that you understand what you're going through. For example, like if, uh, you know, a husband was just served with like divorce papers, you know, it's, hey, I was just sort of a header is like, I was just served with divorce papers. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you say you could begin with, you know, getting served with divorce papers out of the blue can be frightening. You're nervous about your kids, your future, maybe how your community sees you. And here are some things that you need to know about the process. Like, one, you're not alone, you know, and just sort of go through their their world. Because if you were able to be relevant and connect, you have the chance to educate them. Yeah, absolutely. And and you need to be conversational about it. You know, it's because it, it's very possible to be really overwrought in answering questions like that. And think about how you would answer that question if your friend just asked you out of the blue, right? You wouldn't say, oh, well, I can see that you're in a really difficult situation. And like, you know, I mean, there are some things in the in the online medium that you need to say, but you don't have to belabor the point. You know, I find that being really succinct and getting right into the answer is where you really bring value. Right. And look, I mean, when you're in Ian's world, like there is all sorts of data and science and there are bounce rates and time spent on the page and how mm -hmm. far somebody scrolls and when they click and what they respond to. I mean, we live in a surveillance uh, state, so there is data, but there is a there's a rather human element to it. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this if we did nothing else on this uh, podcast, but sort of accomplish this for somebody out there listening. It's it's an important part of the job. Getting clients is an important part of the job. So tell me a little bit about your about your first semester, transitioning back to law school, what that was like. Yeah, so it was it was a lot, certainly. You know, I haven't been a student in, in quite some time. And so I was definitely apprehensive about exactly, you know, how it would go, how I would keep up. Am I meant to be here? You know, I think I think those are anxieties that everyone has in law school to some extent, but certainly as a non-traditional student, I had them maybe a bit more intensely than some others. One thing that I found incredibly helpful, the, the UConn Law School, um, in partnership with, I think it's the University of Arizona Law School, um, offers this program called JD Next, which is like a, a little online summer course that introduces you to things like how to brief a case, how to um, engage in the law school classroom. And there's there's recorded lectures and stuff, but also uh, Professor Beatty at the UConn Law School was available to us and held like these weekly sessions to talk through the material. Um, I found that incredibly helpful just to get a running start into law school, to get used to interacting with a professor, to get used to following the material. Um, so for certainly for incoming law school students, I highly recommend whatever your school offers over the summer to help you get up to speed is, I think, incredibly valuable, especially if there's any interactive component to it. Do it. It is worth it. It will make your first semester so much easier. That is awesome that they do it. In my in my experience, way back in the old days of 2002, uh, you had a two-day orientation, and then it was off to the races. Um, so mm -hmm. there wasn't a whole lot. And and I mean, by orientation, uh, it was like, here's your locker. It felt like very much like a middle school orientation. I'm sure that we got to meet a federal judge, but I'm sure like it was nowhere near sort of depth uh, that that what you experienced. And I, I think, yeah, if you're out there and your school offers that, like absolutely take advantage of it because it would scare me to have somebody on this podcast. I wouldn't believe them, I think, who's like, oh, yeah, I went to law school and it was it was the easiest transition because for most of you, 
out there. Like you've never done anything like it. Like it's its own sort of weird world. Um, and so the more you can acclimate yourself and to to that world, to the language, uh, the better. So that that's awesome. Do you have an idea as to what what areas of law that you want to practice? Yeah. So I think I definitely want to be a litigator. I, I definitely want to be involved in um, trial advocacy. And, you know, I, I did do the mock trial competition in the fall, which is another absolutely highly recommended. It. It's really valuable. I signed up at the last minute and it was one of the best decisions I've made so far. So I know I want to be in litigation, I think on the civil side, and and definitely I want to be representing regular people. You know, ultimately that's that's where I see my career going. Perhaps I sound, sound idealistic now and, you know, I've got two more years to change that. But, you know, and I, I think that the experience I have of just kind of having been a regular person as everyone has, I suppose, but, but like having no, been no, in no. the work, having been in the working world, having been at regular jobs, having been through life experiences, like, you know, I've been through a divorce. I've been my parents' trustee, you know, I've done all these different things that are adjacent to the legal system in some capacity, but are really just about life's challenges. And that's what I'm passionate about ultimately is helping people through life's challenges, whether that's an injury or whether that's an employment dispute or, you know, family law, like there's various things that could be, and I'm still exploring exactly what I want to do. But, you know, that's kind of my North Star is, am I helping people who are in bad situations get into better situations? Yeah. And, and I don't think that's idealistic at all. And I think at least for me, like my limited non-legal work sort of was so important uh, to me as a lawyer. Like it's one of those things like Steve Jobs says in that famous Stanford commencement speech, like you can't connect the dots looking forward. But when you look back, it all kind of makes sense. Like we're on, we're on our journey and being able to draw on those experiences, those skills, you know, the more like, and, and look, I, I basically went to law school after college. I I worked for a period of time at Enterprise Rent-A-Car and I worked through law school at Enterprise. You know, I think that those, so it's not like, uh, you know, you have some amazing advantage, um, but I think all of our experiences inform who we become as lawyers and the solutions that we're able to craft and create for our clients. And I mean, like, I don't, you know, and if you're, if you're also out there, I mean, you know, you said about idealism and like, we need more of that in law. Like, it's okay. Like you really can help people. If you're a lawyer, you can really do a lot of good for your clients and your community if you want to, and if you choose to. So don't lose that sort of idealism. I think it's, I think it's important. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely experienced a lot of that, you know, putting the dots together in hindsight and just experiences I had, you know, earlier in life, even as a kid, that kind of bubble back up and make a lot more sense to me. And now on the path that I'm on, you know, one, one inspiration in particular. So my, my parents are both now retired teachers and my dad was the head of the teachers union in my hometown for several years. Um, so he was, he wasn't an attorney, but he was an advocate, you know, and I remember because I was a student in the same system where he was the the head of the union. I remember on multiple occasions, teachers coming up to me and saying, oh, you're Steve Russell's kid. I love that man. He did so much for me, you know, whether it's helping someone get out of a situation where work was affecting her health or helping someone buy a house. You know, there's all these little things that he did and some big things that he did that 
added up to real differences in people's lives. Now, I don't have the patience to be a teacher, but I definitely have that same spirit of advocacy that I want to carry into, you know, my new career. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. And what you said about your dad would serve any lawyer out there really well. One of my basic beliefs in marketing is that the sort of amount of money you make is equal, or if not greater to the amount of value you create for others. Like there's a great like Zig Ziglar quote that like, I, I can have everything I ever want if I create enough opportunities for others, or if I do enough good for others or so, something to mm -hmm. that effect. And there's a great book, a uh, marketing book called Go-Giver, which I recommend uh, you go out and read. And it, it simply just talks about this. Like if you go out and you add value and you help and you do good, it invariably returns. And as much as we talked a little bit about SEO and educational content being sort of science, like this is a, sort of a law of the universe. So, you know, your dad is uh, an example there for especially a lawyer who wants to help people. I mean, if you want to help Exxon or some conglomerate, like I, I, it probably doesn't matter as much, though even behind those companies are people. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's a really great example that you have. So you are now almost more than halfway through your first year of law school. And if you could go back and tell yourself anything, you know, last July about law school, like what advice would you give yourself? Uh, one is that in law school, everybody's busy and everybody understands that everyone else is busy and it's okay. You know, as I thought about like between classwork and various clubs and activities and just all the things that there are to do, like it's, it's wild how many things there are to do on a fairly small campus, uh, but there's always events happening. There's always club meetings. There's always just different things happening. And I would just tell myself, go, go and check stuff out and don't be afraid that you're going to overcommit because you can always pull back and everyone will understand because everyone's plate is full. And it's just, it's, it's a great, at least at UConn, I can't speak to other law schools, but at least at UConn, it really is this great supportive collaborative environment where but people are just, you know, it's it's not cutthroat. Every, people are so nice. People are understanding. People are willing to work with you. And it's just a matter of you do have to do a little advocating for yourself to make sure that your your needs are met and you're doing what you need to do. But you can take that step out without being afraid that you're going to be overwhelmed. And on that point, I mean, this, this has been, I think, so much value for our listeners here, Ian, because... What you talked about in law school, about people wanting to help and being nice and, and all of it, like that is like 99.9% .9 of what I have found in the legal profession over 20 years. And I will tell you that the people who are the most successful, any way you want to put it in law, are almost to a person kind and generous and helpful, you know, because at the end of the day, like law is a people business and we are dealing with human problems and if you're not those things like people are not going to want to deal with you uh to sort of bring mm -hmm. it back to our chicken and egg problem of great lawyers get great cases like great lawyers have great cases that is that is true but there's there's a real human element to that so if you're out there and you're listening like i'm probably biased in this or definitely am but I know tens of thousands of lawyers, I guess, a lot of them. And, you know, the overwhelming majority of them are amazing 
amazing human beings. Um, so I, I hope that you will continue to find your journey in law school uh, as I have found mine over my career. Yeah. And, and especially while you're a student, you know, everyone I've spoken with in the legal community, every attorney, every judge, every professor just wants to give advice and, you know, hear how your experience is going and explain what they think you can do to get the most out of it. So don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Like, you know, the, the folks you'll encounter really are rooting for you and trying to help you to succeed. And I've, I've definitely experienced that. And it's made all the difference in the world. And it's because we're a profession and it's because nobody, whether you're chief justice of the United States or you're a first year associate at a firm, nobody's ever heard of, like none of us got get there without the help of so many. And it's what separates law. It's what really, I think, makes law a profession. So go out there and embrace that, talk to people, take their advice. And then when you're in the position, turn around and help. So Ian, this has been this has been great. Uh, I, I think anybody out there listening is just going to get so much from this. But I have to end this, and I'm going to end this with a question I always ask, which is, except for one time, I got called out for not asking it, and I won't do it again. Which is like, if you're at like a picnic and there's a hamburger, if you're a vegetarian, veggie burger, whatever kind, whatever kind of burger that you like, and there's an infinite array of condiments, anything that you can put on the burger, what are you putting on that burger at the picnic? Definitely ketchup. Honestly, that's probably it. Like it's, I I have never been a big condiments enjoyer. Little, you know, whether it's a burger or a hot dog, just a little ketchup is all I need. There is nothing wrong with ketchup. There's nothing wrong with a great burger cooked with no condiments either. Ketchup adds a little bit of flavor, but no, no wrong answers to this question. So Ian, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You uh, will be in touch and I'll be uh, watching and rooting for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining Ryan McKean in the Law Student Lounge, where real law students talk about their real lives. Are you a law student with a story to tell? Learn how you can share your story with us in the episode description. And join us next time in the Law Student Lounge.